Welcome to Pod Save Africa. 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 Welcome. Hello, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akandi Adirali, and I have the great pleasure of here being here with both John Paul and Dami. And today we're going to be shooting the shit about the Afghan competition that just passed. And for those of you who don't know, the Afghan is the African Cup of Nations. Um, John Paul, do you want to tell tell the folks who you are? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, my name is John Paul. You know, a super ego, um, and I'm just here to you know to rant about the uh, recently concluded competition. So thanks, for, thanks for having me here. Awesome. All rants are very welcome here, Dami. Uh, how about you share a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Dami. I am also a super ego. I was heartbroken as I usually <laughs> am. Uh, yeah, I'm also here to rant, reminisce, laugh, uh, everything about Afghan. Love it. Love it. Um, so kind of starting at the top, um, I find that like when I start, when I start like looking up Afghan, there's lots of interesting factoids I didn't know. Um, apparently it's super old, started in 1957 before many African countries had actually gained independence. Um, the country that was one of the most times is Egypt. They got very close to getting their eighth title this time. Um, followed by Cameroon, who's won it five times, Ghana four times, Nigeria three times. Just a note for all the Nigerians that are listening, Ghana's won it more times than us. Like, crazy. Um, I have a point to note about that, but I'll see it later. You say Sounds good. Because I'm here, I'm here for the smoke. Fair. Oh, yeah, you should. I'm <laughs> challenge. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah, love it. Um, and... Uh, Finally, you know, the DRC and Ivory Coast have won it twice each. And then the winners who won it this year, Senegal, this was their first time winning the competition. So, yeah, let's let's get it off our chest, folks. It'd be good to perhaps start with the uh, Super Eagles since there are a couple of them on the on the line here. Um, that's what happened, man. Like after beating the crap out of Egypt. And going through the group stage quite well. How? What? What happened, guys? Yeah. Um, damn, do you wanna do you wanna tackle that first, or do you wanna go? Uh, I mean, I can I can go I can go first. Yeah, so go the super Eagles of Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, because of everything I've been through in my life, I believed. I mean, I didn't really give us I didn't really give us a chance, you know. Mm. But oh. we beat Egypt. I was yeah. very surprised and you know pleasantly yeah. surprised that we beat Egypt. I I believed. That we could not only win the Afghan. At that point, I felt we could even win the Euros, <laughs> even though we don't play. Them. <laughs> I felt we could win everything. Uh-huh. We beat Egypt, but like, and I also like Egypt has beat like Egypt has beat in Nigeria in Afghan before. We've if you've been watching the tournament for a while, you will know that a lot of people are just tired of you know, Egypt's perform Egypt's performance in the tournament. Uh-huh. You've seen them win, I think, three in a row or something. So I just felt I felt like that was going to be, you know, our most difficult game. We won, so I didn't expect any bad things from this tournament. Who we beat, you know, this is one of the most difficult teams in the whole tournament, like historically and everything. But you know, it was the same thing for Sudan and Guinea-Bissau. I expected to win those games, but I was also skeptical because again, with Super Eagles, don't know what to take. So. We won all three games, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is interesting. Then we got drawn against Tunisia, and I knew, I just had the feeling, I knew that something was going on. But I told myself that, well, you know, Tunisia came third in their group. This, this is not the year for something like this to happen. And, but the moment I heard that, I think Tunisia, they have, a lot of their players were sick, I think it was Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Once I heard that, I just knew it's just because there's just some things that, that happen in football that you know is just going to lead to bad, like bad things. 
everybody being sick from Tunisia, them having to play like a team that they don't usually start, and Nigeria yeah, hosting off winning three games in a row, mm-hmm. considering only a penalty, I knew that you know evil was bound to happen. <laughs> then I remember the game. I was watching the game. We got to halftime. We had no scored, even though Tunisia had no scored. We hadn't really played well, mm-hmm. and I was just like, bro, like this can't be happening. Like no now, round of sixteen. This is only the second round of 16, I think, in Afghan history. Like, the tournament wasn't always yeah. six oh. groups. It used to be four groups. So you go straight to the quarterfinals. And, like, how, how is this happening? We don't even, we didn't even make it to the semifinal to get our, our customary third place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So once they score, once Tunisia scored, because I didn't even see the goal, mm-hmm. I went into the bathroom. And as I came out of the bathroom, I saw this Tunisian uh, player celebrating. I'm like, bro, come on, come on. And honestly, like, we had, you know, we, we weren't playing well, but like, I felt like we could, you know, come back. Then all of a sudden, red card. And even after the red card, we still had chances. We still, we missed. Like, I remember Umar Sadiq, when he came in, everybody was like, oh, you know, why is this guy coming in? He's not that good. He was our best player on the day. Uh-huh. He, he missed That's- a couple of chances, but like, you know, we weren't even getting chances with uh, Taiwa Wuni and Kijian at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just one of those days. And you can't afford to have one of those days. You have to have one of those days in the group stage. Yeah. Group I stage, think yeah. as Nigerians, even even for like going forward, we have to lose one game in the group stage. <laughs> just to get it. Just off. so that <laughs> we would just so that we at least make it to the semifinal. Mm-hmm. It happens every time. We always mess up in the group stage. Even if it's like maybe we draw two games or we lose one. One of those things must happen. Then, you know, we'll be serious for the rest of the tournament. But that's 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 my rant. Yeah, Paul, what do you have just, to say about that? I just want to throw in a little factor that Burkina Faso ended up beating up, beating Tunisia. So like... And, I'm, 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 and that's... I love that for them. Fully <laughs> <laughs> yeah, behind Burkina Faso. 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, I think in terms of Nigeria's performance, like... Like Dami said, going into the tournament, I remember having zero expectations, which is kind of a good thing to go into AFCON with because AFCON will disappoint you. But I remember I'd, I'd just come back from Lagos. And so like there was a bit of, I don't say buzz, but AFCON was on like, you know, a few people's lips. You could hear that on the radio. And we had this young squad. So I was curious to see what they would do at AFCON. And, you know, having Egypt as the first match was like, oh, let's get the shambles out of the way. But, like, it was anything but a shambles, right? We could all agree that that was a professional performance from our boys. Oh, yeah. um, they yes. played at a high tempo. They played to their strengths. It's a young team. And so they ran, they ran Egypt off the park. I think 1-0 flatters the Egyptians. I think we could have scored more. Um, and, you know, their talisman was quiet throughout Musala. So it was a good performance. And I, just like that, I expected that would, you know, maybe uh, capitulate against Sudan or Guinea-Bissau. You know, and maybe we should have, maybe that would have helped, you know, temper expectations or like, you know, have the coaching staff thinking. But mm-hmm. uh, no, we, we drew Tunisia. And like Dami said, uh, so many factors were just in play for an Afghan heritage disaster class. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And just like once they scored the goal, I was just looking and I'm like, next thing, a red card to a substitute that I just come on. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, 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 we're definitely not coming back. Like, and I, I don't know what it was, but like if just from the way the game started, it just didn't seem like the Nigerian team from the group stages. The swagger was gone. The confidence was, you know, I, I'm forgetting his name. So please, someone could remind me. But that went full back. That was such a terror, like a terror. Moses Simon. Moses yes. Simon. Moses Simon. That was such a terror in the group stages. That swagger wasn't particularly there in 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 the in the round of sixteen, and so just like we had started against Egypt at the front foot, we didn't against Tunisia, and we should have definitely gone for their juggler in the first twenty minutes. Um, so yeah, I think moving forward, there's still hope. I, I think uh, just to look forward towards the World Cup qualifiers, which we cannot afford to lose. Yeah. Um, I think maybe, I don't say it's a good thing that we kind of crashed out early, but maybe it'll bring us a bit down to earth and like begin to strategize against the Ghanaians because it's a must-win fixture. Um, but the talent is there. On paper, 
Um, we are a better, younger squad than a lot of African teams. We just need to get that formula right. I think on the day, and I'm not trying to cast blame on anyone, but I think the, form, the formation wasn't right. Mm. So we need to find that balance in the midfield because there was no midfield to speak of against the Tunisians. They weren't even particularly good, but there was no balance in that midfield. So, yeah, that's my rant. Um, but I think before I stop, I would say a big shout out to Moses Simon. Like, uh, I think Awuni... <laughs> for real. Um, he was the most... I think... I can't think of anybody else in the tournament that was as skillful and as direct as he was. I could be capping, but I think... Uh, in those three, four, three games, three and a half games, he was really excellent. Um, uh, shout out to Awuni. I think he also has a lot of promise as a big uh, striker that we can target. If only we can learn how to cross. If only we can learn how to cross the ball. Because we have two big strikers in Umar Sadiq and um, Awuni. Awuni is like a physical Gidibo striker. The ball just attaches to his body. And we need to find wingers, fullbacks that can deliver the crosses. So hopefully maybe Lukman or any other existing wingers can be the answer to that problem. But we, we should definitely be looking to put pressure on that Ghanaian defense. Yeah. It's an interesting fun fact about Moses Simon. Apparently, and, and like, you know, listeners, if I'm wrong about this, please confirm this. For whatever reason, Wikipedia says his middle name. Or his nickname is Daddy Ajala, and <laughs> I have been so perplexed since I saw it. That is his name. That's why I refer to him by his full name. Ah, was Daddy that... Ajala. <laughs> <laughs> what? I love it. I love it so much. I'm so confused. Oh, <laughs> I saw I it a few weeks so ago, and much. I was like, "What?" Um, but yeah. yeah, speaking of Tunisia, they were involved in one of the more, let's say, interesting matches of the tournament where the Afghan referee blew blew the referee oh, oh. blew, the, yeah. blew the, the Afghan referee blew the whistle <laughs> early twice during the game and they're like one I want to get your general thoughts on that and I also want to get your thoughts on kind of how it was reported upon because it feels like that was one of those moments people really took to like kind of but for lack of a better word, almost, you know, cast, you know, yeah. look down on AFCON and things like that. But I would love to hear both of your thoughts on that. Um, I was watching the game. Yeah, so I was watching the game live. <laughs> the referee, I'm laughing because the referee, you know, some referees that kind of like make the match about themselves. Mm -hmm. So like he was kind of, yeah, already showing signs of that. And so they had a, for those that might not have watched the game, I think they had had like a heat break. Because mm -hmm. it was pretty high temperatures that they were playing in in Cameroon, about 30-something degrees. So they had a water break around the, I want to say, 70-something minute mark. And I don't know if he had not paused his watch while they were having the water break. But anyway, the 85th minute um, approaches and he just blows the whistle. And um, I think up, like maybe two or three minutes up to that, you could tell that he was... Um, severely dehydrated like he looks <laughs> out of it like you know for real he didn't look uh he looked dazed yeah that's mm -hmm. what i'm looking for he looked a bit dazed like you could see his face he was sweating profusely so from a health perspective i was definitely concerned for him um and then he proceeded to also blow the whistle at the 89th point i don't know 30 something second mark and didn't give extra time when they added time sorry when mm -hmm. they should have been so um, it was bizarre for sure. I just kind of, I, I found myself having, I think I, I have an anti-Tunisia bias, so I kind of wanted them to lose. So I wasn't mad at the game ending a bit early. Uh, that being said, I mean, I think the coverage around it was a bit over the top, um, given that the tournament wasn't even getting enough coverage up until that point. There had been some fantastic games before that. Um, and for that to just be like the the headline, I was disappointed, but not surprising. Uh, Dami? Uh, racism. Nothing more. <laughs> racism. <laughs> Unreal racism. So the reason why I see this is because, um, I don't know if you guys recall, but in the World Cup, there has been a controversy of three yellow cards issued to the same player before. 
Oh, it happened wow. in the World Cup. That is the biggest tournament of that's the biggest tournament that you can have in football. So it's I mean Graham Poe, to be honest, he retired after the game because he couldn't believe he had made that mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. They happen. You know. Some I mean anything could have happened. I'm not trying to excuse the referee. Like that's you can't mm-hmm. do you can't do that. But you know, people talking about how bizarre it is and how crazy. I saw an interview, there was a lady who was asked about this and she was the one that brought up the World Cup issue. Because mm-hmm. I think the person who was interviewing her was trying to ask that, oh, like why is this one of the things that happens in AFCON, something just pretty much making like, you know, derogatory marks about the tournament. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned, yeah, that I mean it happened is a mistake, but like we've seen Graham Paul make give the same player three yellow cards in the World Cup in 2006. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Referees make mistakes. It happens. So I don't know, that's not the AFCON is a beautiful tournament that's been going on since 1950s. Uh-huh. We've had so many other things. There's so many other things to talk about other than the referee's mistake. That's what I think. I, again, I don't you know, say that it's not a mistake. It is a mistake. It's not something that a referee should be doing. But uh-huh. the human being at the end of the day he makes mistakes. We can clown him. We can make fun of him. I'm sure his friends are also clowning him. Whatever. <laughs> but that does, that does, I don't think that should be the, you know, that should be the shadow of the tournament. Yeah. I don't, I don't think uh, it's something that we should just uh, do then move on. Honestly, that's what I think. Yeah. Just on that topic, um, in terms of like timing, I've always wondered this about football and I, I, I maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm wondering why don't we like use, um, what was the word I'm looking for? Like stop, stop clocks or I don't know what the proper terminology is, mm-hmm. but you know how in basketball where there's a break in play, Right. And I'm not talking about when we have it thrown or something like that. I mean, like a water break, for example, instead of trying to calculate at the end of the match, how many minutes should be added on? Why not just stop the watch? Like at that point, instead of adding 10 minutes at the end, I've always wondered that. I'm wondering if anyone on the pod knows the, the reason behind that, or it's just something that we don't want to change as a sport. I'm actually not sure. Yeah. But I am not, I wasn't a big fan of like stopping the time. But like in this, I feel like time should be stopped. If, if time should be stopped in the football game, I feel like it should be stopped. For example, for, to make substitutions. Uh-huh. Because people use substitutions to waste time. Waste time, sometimes. exactly. And also it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go on during substitutions. I think time should be stopped. Because we've seen situations whereby... A player wants a player is about to be substituted, but there's something maybe the ref doesn't want him to come out before they take a corner or something goes on, there's some distraction. You know, it's just stop the time, let people make their changes. Or I mean nowadays everyone is having water breaks and all that. Stop mm-hmm. the time for that. Throwings, goal kicks, you don't need to stop the time for no, all that because no. that's no. that's just going to be stopping the game all the time. Mm-hmm. And also injuries, injuries. The time should be stopped yeah. for injuries. Stopped, yeah. I, 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 that's what, that's what I think. But I don't know why exactly. That's not a thing in football. I can, yeah. res- I can do some research about that. Yeah, because we can always, because there's so many examples of games where like the amount of added time has been such a like controversy, right? Yeah. You know, especially with the whole minimal added time thing, where like let's say there's ninety plus five on the clock. But let's say there was an injury during at that time, and so you end up playing till the 98th minute, and someone scores, and then the opposing coach is furious because the time should have ended, you know, in their opinion, two minutes ago. So I, I'm curious if that's something that can also assist referees, like I kind of, kind of just like a justification in their decision making, right? Mm. Um, that time, you know, the time has elapsed, and it, you know, it's less arbitrary. But yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because I've always felt like ex- extra time to some degree sometimes feels a little arbitrary and sometimes it's stretched and it's like you, know, you stretch it on one occasion, maybe not so much. Like that. Uh, but that's a fantastic oh. point. I think, I guess a good place to go to now is like this the general sense of like football at, at, at AFCON and how it differs from many other um, competitions. There's this general kind of, at least I see on Twitter people joking about how Afghan is like a great leveler for players that you have, you know, some of the best players in the world playing against lots of homegrown talent and like, you know, it's hard to 
it's a much harder competition for that. Can you guys speak to that? Like, why exactly is it that Mo Salah didn't score a goal every game in an Afghan? Actually, did I don't know if Mo Salah scored more than that. He scored two goals. Yeah, he had two goals in there, which and an assist. And an assist. Yeah, which is kind of crazy for somebody of his talents playing that many games in an international competition. Um, Oh. But yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of this? Uh, you know, Afghan, Afghan as a great leveler. Um, I mean, I think you touched on it, right? Like, there's, there, I think there's no respect for titles or, um, what's the word, statistics at the tournament. It's really you have to bring your A game and you have to play as a team, mm-hmm. right? We some of the best performing squads, at least at this Afghan, for example, where the where the teams that were united. So Senegal, who didn't necessarily play great in the group stages, but they were able to band together. Cameroon from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a Ni- Nigeria in the group stages. You have you have to be uh, you have to be ready to like you have to respect your opponent. You know whether it's I, and we can talk about the minnows that outperformed expectations this competition. Mm-hmm. Equatorial Guinea. Um, um, Forgetting the name of the other team. Burkina Faso. Exactly. These are teams that definitely outperformed expectations. And it's because, and, I, and that's generally in football, but we all love uh, an underdog story, right? And I think in AFCON, there's just this, um, there's momentum, right? There's just something about the tournament where if you don't start right, um, if you don't get it together as a team, you're definitely going to get kicked out very quickly. Um, Algeria can speak to that. Uh, they just couldn't get that. And I thought Egypt was going to fall victim to that. I think if they were in a slightly tougher group, they would not have made it out of the group stages. They had a performance akin to Portugal in Euros 2016. Yes. Um, and they almost thought they could um, get away with it, but I said a living God. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, like I think, yeah, Afcon forces you to bring out some of your best performances, and it's not just about star power. Like Mane did not particularly light up Afcon. He did, he did perform against Burkina Faso in the semis, but he wasn't any, by any means the best player in the tournament. Right? It had to be a team performance. It had to be a team performance. They had to band together, and you know, I think they were also very well. They were well coached. So, I th- yeah, so for all the faults that people want to point at AFCON, I think it's, it, forces, it forces great and small to, to come correct, if, if, if for the lack of a better term. Abash, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts. As well. Yeah, so I, I mean, I do, I do have like the same, I share the same sentiments, but I also want to mention that in if you, I mean, you guys, both of you are Nigerian, so you know how we play in Nigeria. <laughs> you know how we play football in Nigeria. Everybody is trying to do everything quick. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, like, sometimes people talk about it and how, why, why every random African player on FIFA is fast. It's just, I don't know, I can't explain it, but it's just what it is. <laughs> That's just what it is. Like, we play... I'm not saying that people aren't technical. They are very technical players. But even those technical players, because of the training and the coaching that a lot of us get, and just how, you know, just the way we are as people, and this is just using Nigeria as well, everybody tries to play, I don't know, for lack of a better term, gra football. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it, you get a blend of different like types of graph football <laughs> that come to Afcon and play together. Even Egypt, as you know, as, as much as we like to say that you know, North African teams play, they still have their own graph involved. But you know, the thing is a lot of them, because they are closer to Europe, a lot of their players tend to get into Europe when they are much younger. Maybe they become like different, they play like different styles, they have like a different style of play. But when they come back to Africa Cup of Nations, you have to, you're not, you're not just going to, you can't just walk into the tournament and do whatever you want. I don't think any team has ever done that except for that period where Egypt won back to back to back, which is part of why, you know, I was there. 
alongside Vincent Akubaka witnessing their downfall. <laughs> <laughs> and I would and I would witness their downfall again proudly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um you know that's the style of play. I mean I like I like the I love the tournament. Afcon has always been one of my favorite tournaments. I believe it's the first it's the first tournament I have like memory of watching. Yeah, football, yeah, the first international football. tournament I have I have a good memory of watching. And you know, that's just how it always has been. Like you see Samueletto, you've seen Drogba, you've seen Yaya Turi, we've seen, you know, we talk about you know peace and power in football. There's very technical players, but even those technical players, they know when to switch it off and switch it on, you know, at or mix their technicality with their peace and power. Mikel John Obi Mikel is a very, very technical and tactical player. But as slow as he looked in England, when it comes to the Nations Cup, especially when he was in his prime, not when he was much older, when he was in his prime, he, that's not what he was. <laughs> that's not what he was. So there's just, you know, there's something special about the tournament and I, lo- I love every, every minute of it. Yeah, and just to go off Danny's point also, I think as with any other like regional tournament, uh, history and rivalries play such a big part in um in in the flavor of the tournament right um it almost feels like a war like not to use i think that's maybe that it's too strong a metaphor but i think um that competition the battle. shows yeah the battle yeah on the field between you know two teams with a long history of you know like I, I know if there was a semi-final between uh, Cameroon and Nigeria, Egypt and Cameroon, like we saw, like th- those things, it's, it's more than just a game, right? It's, it's so much on the line. It almost kind of feels like tactic is, you know, sec- take second place in this kind of tournaments because of the history. And I think that's kind of why we enjoy it. And I can't imagine watching AFCON if there wasn't uh, fans in the stadium, right? It just adds that flavor, the songs, everything about it. It's like Dami said, it's definitely one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Yeah, mine as well. It almost, it almost always feels a little more electric. I, I, it's difficult to explain oh. for me, but um, I think I, I, you guys have described that essence very well. Um, Obashi brought up Egypt quite a few times. Um, <laughs> it seems like they attempted to hoodwink themselves to the tournament. <laughs> yes. I think four goals total yes. outside of penalties all the way through. Yeah, Maybe yeah. two of them from open play. Um, yeah, thoughts on the Egyptian team and, and how they made it that far in the tournament despite having performed mm. you know what everybody thought was so poorly in the in the group stages satanism <laughs> that's <laughs> animal, animalistic satanism <laughs> yeah so honestly Egypt I I, I no I'm just no their performance in this tournament no like they couldn't, it makes no sense how, and they didn't even come third in their group. They, they finished second somehow. So, like, we can't even complain and say that, oh, you know, they might not have made it out. You know, it's because they allowed third place things. They didn't come, they came second, so they actually legit qualified from their group. Mm-hmm. But in the round of 16, who did they face? They faced, um, they faced the round of 16. Which was also one of the better performing teams. Exactly. So you see, they won on penalties because, you know, on a good day, Cote d'Ivoire should have beaten them. Oh, yeah. Cote d'Ivoire should have beaten them. And you have Eric Bailly taking a penalty like Jorginho and (laughs) uh, (laughs) tries to take his penalty like Jorginho, Balotelli and um, I don't know, someone else all at the same time. It makes no sense. Everyone else scored their penalty. So that's how Egypt that's how Egypt makes it to the quarterfinal. In the quarterfinal, they faced Morocco. So this is wow. a proper North African battle. I couldn't care any less who won. I would have preferred Morocco just because you know Egypt is my I, I don't nah. Nah, not 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 <laughs> no. But I don't I don't particularly want to support. Morocco, but I mean, I don't really mind them because I've not really had an issue to not like Morocco as a team. Mm-hmm. Then Egypt makes it to the semi-final. They are playing Cameroon, and this is the most difficult game I have to watch in my whole life. Egypt against Cameroon, two of my ops. 
<laughs> I believe Cameroon is bigger up for me because you know it's. I mean, you both would understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 understand this. I was born and raised in Surulere, and Egypt. I mean, Cameroon mm. beats Nigeria in my. <laughs> <laughs> down, down the streets. <laughs> down the streets. <laughs> From my home. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, I was still so I was supporting Cameroon because, like, I mean, if I had to choose between both teams to win, I was supporting Cameroon hoping that, you know, there would be no chance of Egypt winning in the final. I would have preferred yeah. Cameroon to win this final because I'm like, well, they are hosting the tournament. If they end up winning, at least we can say yeah, it's because they were hosting. Contacts. You know, I'm trying to make excuses. Mm-hmm. But then Egypt manages to defeat Cameroon. And I watched, I watched, I didn't watch the entire match, but I watched um, most of it. So it was so annoying. I, I typically like games going into extra time. But this was such an annoying game. Like mm-hmm. it just it, it wasn't supposed to go that far. But it went. Salah didn't have didn't even have to take a penalty. They made it. And Vincent Abubakar, after talking trash, <laughs> he got knocked out. I feel like every player that's talked smack, including Jordan mm-hmm. Ayu, like he'll probably get to literally. <laughs> oh, next game yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Jordan Ayu later. But <laughs> you get you get you get knocked you get knocked out, mm-hmm. and that's it. Then in the final, that was another game. I was fully behind Senegal, fully behind Senegal because I even wanted them to win. Um, Afcon 2019. Mm. So I was happy that they made it again, and I was fully behind them. But again, I thought I was having a feeling of deja vu. It was the same thing; they just couldn't score. It went to extra time, went to penalties. I'm like, oh God, this is going to happen. And I think, I think, I do not remember, but I think Senegal. <laughs> did Senegal were they the first to miss a penalty in the shootout? Um, I yes, I believe. Yes, yes they did. Yeah. Uh, so let me check. check. Yeah, no, no, sorry. This guy, Egypt, Egypt, Egypt missed Egypt first. Missed first yeah. Egypt missed yeah, first. Yeah, Egypt missed. They hit the bar. Yeah. yeah, so Egypt missed. I think Senegal scored. Egypt scored. Senegal scored. Egypt missed. And I'm like, yes, Egypt has missed. Then next thing you know, Senegal misses. I'm like, bro. Egypt scores. It's back to square one. Senegal scores. Egypt misses again. And it's left for Mane to just... All he has to do is score. And Mane had missed the penalty in the game already. But I knew that, you know, Mane has elite mentality. So, P is one of those that combines, you know, he knows how to switch on his PNP. And he does it even in the Premier League. He doesn't have to wait till half to do that. But he's also a very technical, very skillful player. He, he has, you know, he, he doesn't really get phased. You know, he misses penalty, but it didn't matter to him. I was very impressed with the way he ran up to take that particular penalty. He didn't even waste time. He wasn't looking scared. There was nothing there. Yeah. Just to smash it, go. That's cool. I've won my country tournament. Yeah. My boot. That's it. <laughs> my, my boot. So, me, I was there in my house. I was screaming. You think I was from... I can't even speak French. Bonjour. <laughs> 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 I was there supporting Senegal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just piggybacking off, like, previous Sportive Africa episode. Every bad thing that happened in Africa, I blame France for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just pick it, just going back. This is a this is a throwback to previous yeah. episodes, but I blame France. This is yes. French, they had fault. They had fault. If we investigate this enough, I think we have yes. enough evidence to we prove know, that. Know they um, fault. If you look at it, Senegal Cameroon, they had fault. They had fault. John Paul, I have a question for you. So, so there's a, a lot of talk about like Afghan being extremely aggressive and like you know, looking wow. at some of the d- data there, I think it's 14 red cards in this competition. Yeah, and- and like I think half of them were in round of sixteen. And yeah, reason, exactly. Yeah. Like a ton of them happened post group stage, or so like, oh. and you know the number of yellow cards is uh, my rough estimate is like thirty or forty. Yeah, probably about thirty. <laughs> so like, your thoughts there on the competition and why you know why it tends to be heavily carded? Is that a refereeing issue? Is that just the nature of the game? Is it kind of yeah. like the, I know some of the South American international competitions also tend to have a very high card count. What are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, I think it's it's a mixed bag. So I don't know if this year was the first time VAR was used in AFCON. Um, but I noticed that from the games I watched, anytime the decision went to VAR, there was almost like a certainty that it would be a card, like a, a 
a red card immediately. Mm. And I don't know if, and, and in some cases, I didn't think they were red card offenses, maybe a yellow for sure. But I don't know if that was like maybe a policy going into the tournament that they were trying to stamp out certain types of challenges okay. or make the game less physical, which would run counter to what the nature of the game is at AFCON anyway. Um, I, there's, there's, a, there's a case to be made that increasing carding will change behavior and protect players. Um, but then there were some levels of it where I felt like referees were being a bit too... Um, a bit too easy with the cards, be them yellows or reds. I think there's something to be said for allowing for a physical game, a safe game, but a physical game that respects the tempo um, and uh, the the nature of African football. But uh, yes, there were some bad tackles. I think there's still something to be said about um, the... the ag- <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of the worst red card I saw. In this tournament, um, I think Iwobi's own was just like it comes more of a silly than bad. Like, Mm. you're a substitute, you don't need to make like it's like it's not like it was the 80th minute and we're desperate to score a goal, it's like the 60 something minutes in the middle of the park. There are just some things you can let go and like try and recover, right? Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know what to say beyond. It became what I'll say is that after the round of sixteen, it reduced, right? I think there was like maybe two red cards afterwards um, for the rest of the tournament. So I'm curious to know if it was a refereeing decision going in to like stamp out certain yeah. types of challenges because I can't think of any challenge that was awful. Like I'm sure there was one or two, but I can't think of that many that were terrible. Okay, yeah. Go, go ahead, uh, Abash. Honestly, the Wobi one, funny enough, I actually don't think, I mean, I'm, I, I definitely sound biased because I was against my country, but the Wobi red card, I actually, I think that was just, I don't think that wasn't a tackle. You know, it's just one of those things that like, obviously he ended up stepping on somebody, but you know, there are some things that happen it's not that wasn't a tackle. It wasn't a tackle because it's the same. It's the same thing as me. Like I can, I can end up doing something that's go, that's going to cause a red card, even though I wasn't tackling somebody. But I don't think that that had to be a red card, especially since it wasn't a tackle. Because the player wasn't injured. There was no like there was nothing there. It wasn't dangerous play. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. It wasn't dangerous play because it wasn't a tackle. He wasn't trying to do anything. He wasn't playing he wasn't playing literally he wasn't playing dangerous he was just trying to shield the ball and he if you watch the video in slow motion he stepped on the ball like a little bit but like most of his leg eventually came down Mm -hmm. so i don't think he was even trying to step on the ball he was probably just trying to roll the ball and his leg that was coming down ended up stepping on another player he didn't go to tackle or stamp on somebody which is why i don't agree that that should have really been a red card but I mean, yeah. you know, different people have different interpretations to things. So yeah. my, my, my argument so, is just that it wasn't, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a tackle. So because of that, I don't think you should classify that as dangerous play. And they had to go to VAR to take a look at that and give a red card. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I was just like, really, come on. So, yeah. but I mean, AFCON has, you know, there are some things that we see that you're just like, bro, come on, <laughs> how can you? Like people have, we we have, we know how, you know, we've seen, all this, we've seen like certain tackles, certain challenges. But again, I don't, I don't really have like any memory of any, of any like very crazy tackle that I'm like, yes, that this is crazy. You guys need to get out of it. Yeah. It's just, you know, maybe there are some things that will get you a yellow card. Yes. But you look at VAR and you're seeing it in slow motion and you're like, yeah, this happened. Mm-hmm. This ended up happening, so it must be a foul and it must be a red card. That kind of thing. Because I think almost all the red cards given from the year. Yeah. Or at least a lot of them. A lot of them. Yeah. So, the, the, just, yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing is that, I, at least the, for the few games I watched, I found myself being less frustrated with refereeing at AFCON than I am with like watching the Premier League. E.g. <laughs> e. somebody getting 
two yellow cards today. <laughs> the wild advantage was being I cannot believe. I was just I, I <laughs> it all didn't make sense to me. But um, I don't know what the stupidity involved in that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, guaranteed. Um, one good thing I love to touch on too is kind of the personalities. You guys have alluded to that. Um, Vincent Abubakar and uh, Jordan Ayu specifically. And I remember watching Jordan Ayu at the I remember at the press conference. I was he convinced me honestly. I was like, oh, they're gonna win guaranteed. Me too. I thought they're. I mean, I thought Comoros was was done. It was gonna be a wrap for the whole island. Like every president can just retire at this point. But uh, tables were turned. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on those personalities. and yeah, kind of how things turned out for both of them. Haven't spoken. I mean, Vincent Abubakar scored eight goals at 30 years mm-hmm. old. That's impressive. But um, would love to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, for the IU matter, I think uh, <clears throat> I think they call it heritage. It's um, <laughs> you know when you say things like this, and I think he ended it with Inshallah. I mean that he was blas- <laughs> he was he was he was committing blasphemy. Okay. Um, and uh, Comoros responded in kind. I think. Once that red card came in, you kind of knew that the, the writing was on the wall. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny because it was after the red card that Ghana began to play better. better. Um, and they responded and they scored. But I think that's why we love the game, right? These storylines before the games or after the games. I, I don't know. I can't say that Ghana didn't respect Comoros. I think they came in with an idea to like you know play their best football. Um, but it just wasn't for them. I think that team needs a revamp. Um, if you're starting the two IU brothers as your stars in 2022, you have bigger problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no disrespect, obviously. Um, legends <laughs> of the game. <clears throat> yeah. But I think the team definitely needs a revamp. And um, what can I say about Vincent Abubakar? I think he won. He won over the continent with his um, with his style, with his leadership from the front. Um, I mean, how many strikers track back, you know, to defend and win back balls and that have been lost? Um, I think it was just disappointing to see him lose the game like that. Uh, but uh, no, I I don't have anything to to add there. Um, Abash, any thoughts on Jordan? Yeah. Are you Ghana generally that we face in a couple of weeks or? Uh... I, I, mean, I, I, I'm on, I you know, echoing the same thing Paul said. You can't basically, you know, Jimmy Vardy said it best. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know if he actually did say that, or we just like to attribute it to him. But he did say, um, I can, do, you, do you censor what your podcast? That no, no, please. This is okay. <laughs> so Jimmy Vardy has said, or we have been told that Jimmy Vardy has said, chat shit. Chatted shit. Shit. And he got banned. Yeah. It's that, it's that once, you say, once you say that thing in that press conference, you have to win. Every other even thing. Even Vincent he did the same thing. Even though I was, you know, I was more his, <laughs> I wasn't on his side. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, Salah is a different level to Vincent Abubakar. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> you can't say that and still go and lose. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. And the funny, and you know the funny. Sorry, Dami. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I, I just, I was gonna say that the funny thing about it, it is that, like, up until that point, this level, Abubakar had been ruthless in front of goal, okay. and all of a sudden, it just wasn't clicking for him in that game. Yes. Like, he, he still looked dangerous, but he just wasn't entering the net. And you just have to ask yourself that: is it because he chatted shit? Yeah, in in Afcon, you can't. Afcon is actually the tournament you can't get away with that. Yeah. To come back, you will lose to somebody that you can't believe how they are beating you. you it, it won't make any sense to you. Jordan and Andrea, they couldn't understand what was going on. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think Ayuzon was the worst. Like, because he said it with such a finality. Yeah. Like, and then he got up he was, to and walked away. And he got up, yeah, exactly. It was like he, you know, dropped the mic moment. You know, he, you know, he called on Allah and he just walked away. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, why did you do this? You know? And, you know, I I don't know if anyone saw Super Sports coverage, but um, <laughs> Asamo Ajian was in the studio and he was just like, heartbroken and I 
Uh, it's the beauty of AFCON, honestly. Um, <laughs> to have a team like Ghana go out. <laughs> to Comoros. Oh, goodness. To Comoros. Um, I had to like, zoom in on Google Maps to find where Comoros was. That's how small that is. Uh, and Comoros almost, you know, came through in the in the in the round of sixteen against uh, Cameroon as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Kudos to them though. Like for such a small country doing bits like that. That's really impressive. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I would love to know kind of just step in, taking a step back into our kind of final set of questions. More broadly about African football. Um, but but starting with a little bit of tournament specific stuff. Um, for a lot of international tournaments they tend to be almost kind of like a spotlight for players for lots of international clubs. Now, for this competition, more so than many other Afghans in the past, many of these players already play in uh-huh. what would be called the major leagues in Europe. Okay, and, so, and, sorry, yes. I think, could, you, could I stop you? I think sure, it was ahead. actually Andre. Andre. Oh, oh, was it? Was it Andre? Was it Andre? Because it's worse if it's Andre, because Andre got the red card. Yeah, no. Was it? Oh no. I was it Andre. I, that I know. I so I need. To, I need to see. Oh, it was Andre. It was Andre. Oh my see, god. Oh no. It was. It was Andre. We've been. I always. This always happens to me. Oh. I always mix. Who has the bandage on the eye? That's Andre. Uh, Wait, how long has he had that bandage? I, <laughs> I mean, it like, might just be his. It might be. I don't know if it's a Nelly swag. situation. Nelly, that's what I thought. Yeah. Like kind of like a Nelly yeah, situation. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but oh, that sucks. And because I think he also got the red card, or did Jordan get the red card? It was Andre that got the red card? Oh God, that's embarrassing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Andre, no, is, Andre is the older one. He's the one that shouldn't. Yeah. I I don't know. He yeah. shouldn't. Nah. Oh bad. Go ahead. I just, I just wanted oh, to go no, bad. No, no, I appreciate no. you calling. No, thank you for that. Always yeah, worse. That's oh, a no. good catch. I, I confuse them very frequently. Um but yeah, to just kind of st- you know, uh, the question really here is 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 the is AFCON, even though you know a lot of these players already play in Europe. Um I remember I'd be Googling players and finding, you know, many of them play for like French, you know, League One sides and things like that. Do you find that this tournament is very effective at like spotlighting players that maybe should be playing for the top teams in the top leagues. You know, I'm, I'm thinking someone like a Moses Ty Simon made a really good showing of himself. And like, you know, somebody like that, I think would crush it in many teams on the Premier League. What are your thoughts? Do you think that pipeline exists? Should it exist? Oh, I, I don't know if I have much to say here. The reason I'll say is that Dami knows my thoughts on this is I'm always wary about tournament tax. Mm. Like, <laughs> tournament football is a different type of beast right like that's true it's it's a it's a it's a moment of you know national fervor etc etc et so much excitement and and form it's really about form right mm-hmm. um the best players can disappear in the tournament and uh unknown players can shine you know just based on the moment yeah. um I'm, I'm not saying that anyone that performed well isn't a good player but i'm always reluctant to you know splash the cash on on a player like if you can get a good deal out of it then sure um it, the only thing i would say about the tournament though is that it did like you said spotlight that there's just overall talent on the continent yeah um should any major team start like you know for example i think i'm forgetting his name now gabaka is that is that how it goes the tunisian i'm sorry the egyptian keeper mm. oh that was uh, he, he was Gabaski, yeah, yes, yeah, there we go. I do I he, he had a great performance in uh, in I would say at the final, right? Um, does that mean a team should like splash the cash and make him their starting goalkeeper or give him back up? I don't know, like because tournament taxes, yeah, exactly. So exactly. So I mean, that's not maybe not maybe that's not a good example, but I know everyone was really gushing about him um, uh, after the match. So. <laughs> with a grain of salt is all I'll say. It's definitely worth going to scout the player for sure. Like, you know, add that to your scouting assignments on FM. But beyond that, nah. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, Abash, what about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I, I feel the same way. It's, it's left to the teams to scout. Because yeah. what AFCON does is that it gives the opportunity that some of these players will never have had 
So mm-hmm. pretty much just show what they can. Because a lot of these players don't even get the opportunity for whatever reason. So you see what they can do, then it's now left to you to be like, okay, I've seen what this guy is capable of doing. Let me go and watch his game. You know, some people would play so well that you know you have to have them. Mm-hmm. Like it happens. There are some people that just play. That's how people discover like you know, youth players. They see yeah, how well they guys. play. And you're like, oh, we have to buy this guy. We have to do this. We have to do that. But you know, you still have to do your due diligence as a, you know, as a team. scouting team and everything because it's an investment at the end of the day you have and i mean i'm I'm me i agree that there's also tournament tax because and this isn't even just afcon chile is one of the biggest beneficiaries of tournament tax Mm -hmm. chile was using jean bosejo as their left wing back for years bosejo could only make it to wigan athletic Like, I'm not saying he, he's everyone that is a professional footballer is good. Mm-hmm. That's why you're a professional footballer. But, you know, you have to look at, you also have to look at context. Like, tournaments are going to put, it's your opportunity to put yourself on the map, an opportunity that you might not get elsewhere. Because, I mean, someone that is looking for a player in, for example, like Bosages, um, um, status or whatever might not particularly be watching Wigan. Maybe they don't have the opportunity to do that or whatever. Then they just see him in Chile and they're like, well, I mean, we can use this guy. He's like 34. You know, we need someone like him, blah, blah, blah. Just maybe one or two years. But we saw him here. Then you go, you know, that's when you now get the opportunity to go and look at Wigan. Yeah. Or whatever. Muzi Simon, people will start knowing what team he plays for because of his performance mm-hmm. in the tournament and things like that. So that's how... That's that's what happens, and that's that's your. I think that's the opportunity that comes from it. Obviously, you know you do it, and you have that opportunity on different stages. The uh, Liverpool bought um, what's his name El Hadjouf, I believe, after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out for them, but like that's you know that's the that's him taking advantage of his opportunity. Liverpool saw, I believe, yeah, I believe it was after the World Cup in two thousand and two. But he was linked with Liverpool. Then they finally decided to sign him after his performance. But you know, you you still have to do your scouting. You still have to know what's going on because that just gives you the opportunity. You see these players, you see everything. Senegal's team, they are midfield: Kuyati, Mendy, and Idris Agui. Two of them play in England. One of them has played in England before. Uh huh. Ismail Sa, Sadio Mane. Edward Mendy, five players out of their starting 11 currently play in England. You know, those opportunities have already been given to them. But like if, mm-hmm. you know, because of how we know what they've become now, if they had not made it yet, this is the opportunity for teams like that to see what these guys are capable of doing. You know, I think that's what, I think that's the beauty of AFCON and international tournaments in general. Give an opportunity to certain players who might not have the opportunity elsewhere and then you know you just open you give an opportunity because you might end up scouting that might be the best player you've ever scouted but that might also be the worst player you've ever scouted there's no magic formula but at least you get the opportunity you don't you know you might not necessarily get to see them apart from during that tournament then you pick an interest then you can actually now do what you need to do fantastic fantastic um yeah and, and that's well that that makes me i think we both got to see the evidence in this in this Afghan of lots of kind of the exposure that players have been getting and that so many of them were there. But also to your point and John Paul's point as well earlier, I was like, you know, hey, this will also now become a way for which, you know, scouting departments can then identify individuals and then go and make uh, mm-hmm. make yeah. additional, take the additional steps to know how people actually play consistently. Yeah, um, yeah so my final question for you both is, one I tend to ask on the podcast is, you know, what are you most optimistic about regarding African football? Uh, what are you, what worries you about the ability for, you know, players and people to continue to succeed and you know, the joy we all collectively get from our tournaments? And our league? Um, mm. But yeah, I would love to know kind of your the plus and minus. What are you excited about? What are you pessimistic about? Uh, John Paul, want to uh, kick us off? 
I feel like I have so many pluses, honestly. Like, this tournament was very exciting. Mm. Um, but I think I'll just stick to... I'll stick to watching, like, foreign... How was the word I'm looking for? Like, foreign-based players or, like, players with dual nationalities choosing their African countries, like, their countries of origin a bit more often now. Um, you On Senegalese team, there were a couple of players there that had been born in France... You know, I maybe played for the France under 20 or something like that. So the trend of seeing, and we just heard, you know, recently that Lukman had, you know, decided to play for Nigeria, you know, uh-huh. FIFA had allowed him. So I, I hope that trend continues for African football. Not to say that, I mean, there are also teams, you know, especially in North Africa, for example, or even other parts of the continent that have homegrown players. But it's just more competition for places it improves the quality of our intellect, of our regional football, of our continental football. You know, it, it makes the rivalry sweeter to see players that we watch every weekend in the uh, foreign leagues also come and add that flair to, to the game. So it's exciting for me, like moving forward um, to watch these players, you know, choose their countries of origin and just, you know, Take a you know take the game to another level because they are talented players. Um, in terms of the minuses, um, you know football federations, and I think I can only speak to the Nigerian experience, but like I think successful countries have a game plan for their for for football. Right, Senegal has had this what eight year project now to to get to where they are right now consistency with their coach first of all it's just great seeing an african coach win but also this is someone that has been running that team first of all he was running the under 23s i believe before he started running the senior national team he's had i would imagine the backing of his federation i would like to see more football federations have a project back that project so if in nigeria it's going to be a guavon or whoever they choose they should back that project, give them the resources and support that they need to, you know, implement their vision, give your national team an identity. Let's not be fluctuating from tournament to tournament. So I think I want to see more of that. African teams coming out with an identity over the next two to three years. We have a couple of tournaments coming up. AFCON next year again, the World Cup qualifiers. It'll be nice to see African teams have identities, styles of play that you can, you know, support and root for. So, yeah, that's my minus. But also kind of a plus too. Looking forward. I appreciate that. That's very insightful. And to your point about just structural support for these organizations, great teams aren't built in a day, so that resonates. Exactly. Um, Dami, would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm also pretty excited about... um, I'm excited that I think the you know quality of African teams is generally getting better as time goes on. So I definitely would like to see us like replicate that work, to be honest. Um it, we know like we we've always I'm not saying that there hasn't been quality, there has always been quality in African football. We've always known how to play football. <laughs> but when I say the quality, it's not just, you know, the ability of the players. It's also, like, coaching. It's also some, you know, federations having projects, as John Paul mentioned. People, you know, better people getting involved in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The stadiums, you know, the quality of tournament, quality of refereeing, the way the field looks, the coverage. These things, I'm looking forward to them just continuously getting better so that, you know, the rest of the world wouldn't see Afcon as a, you know, as a hamper to their own club side season. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tournament isn't going to be held in January anymore, but you know, it, we we need to people need to look forward to the tournament the way we do because I mean, it is a we I we look forward to other tournaments the way they do. So, what is it about African football? What do you have to say about African football? So I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward. I'm enjoying the fact that you know quality. You know, you're having, and also, you know, different people from different countries choosing to represent their African countries if they are also from there. That is also very exciting because, you know, 
it's not they are no people are no longer turning their noses and it, it kind of seems like you know it it kind of suggests that the rest of the world is also looking towards African football as important as good then for in terms of something that I don't like I mean I'm just this isn't this doesn't really have to do with uh, like Afcon in general but you know there was a time when Nigeria could boost Afcon in this current state we can't and it's not mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with football. So, you know, just this small, small unrest here and there. I really wish, you know, it just wasn't, that's not how it was, because it was, it's not fair that we're not able to, you know, share the game the way we should, it should be shared across the continent. So, you know, if it would be nice, like Cameroon has, I think there was a point in the last 10, 15 years, There've been like I mean I think two or three Afcons that we've had to like move to another country because the country that was supposed mm-hmm. to host it was not ready or something something for whatever reason. So I mean I just that that's my own biggest um, you know negative about it. But it's not something that I'm discouraged about. I I mean I look towards like a good future. But I really hope that we can you know get beyond all those you know issues. Because, I mean, as I said, we've hosted AFCON before. We've hosted, we, we host like on that 20 tournament, all that. Na- the same Neymar that is playing now has played in Lagos or Abuja, wherever, in the tournament. So why shouldn't we get to the point where, where different African countries across the whole continent can decide that oh, we want to host the World Cup and it won't be looked at as a good thing? So that's what I'm looking forward to that day. I hope it happens as yeah. soon as it can. So yeah. South Africa, they've they've done us, they've made us proud by being able to host their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need more. <laughs> we want yes, more. Sir. We need more. We want more, yes, sir. Fantastic. Fantastic. And thank you for painting that that picture of a better and brighter African future. Um Dami John Paul, this has been fantastic. Uh, John Paul, it's your first time. Dami's third time on Port Save Africa. Yeah. We're, we're super grateful to you guys, and um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be in touch, listeners. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great.